we're going to kind of jump around a little bit, uh, but there's a few sections in 2 Corinthians that uh, I've been thinking about this week and also this morning and just a, a few points that I wanted to make. In uh, chapter 1, Paul writes something that's really interesting where he says in verse 20, chapter 1, verse 20, he says, For as many as may be the promises of God, in Him they are yes. So the promises that we have, there's a lot of them. As Paul's saying, as many as there are in Jesus, they are yes. Wherefore also by Him is our amen to the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God, who also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. Uh, I know one of the things that I've been... Is that on? Okay. Uh, one of the things that I've been thinking a lot uh, about lately, Sandy and I have talked about this a lot, Shane and I have talked about it, uh, mentioned it here a few times, but just the uh, the education in my mind about what kind of heart we actually have now, how it is that God sees us, how the heart that he has given us uh, is a total renewal in Christ. And when you read scriptures like this, it's very easy to just kind of skip through them and, and uh, you know, you hear the language that the Holy Spirit is inspiring Paul to write, but it's very specific for a reason. Because he says, first off, there's a lot of promises. So what the first thing that I thought of this morning when I was reading this was, uh, we, at least I, probably most of us, don't spend enough time considering specific promises. I think for a long time, I kind of, it was almost like the things were, it was just easier to keep it general rather than get specific like God does. Because he gets specific about his promises. Uh, if you go back and you read things that Jesus said, uh, I think of uh, the instance where Jesus had the interaction with the young rich ruler and he had given him the uh, the command that if he wanted to follow him, he was going to have to sell everything and give all that life up, count all that as loss and come and follow him. And he said, you'll have actual real treasure. You'll have true riches. You'll have actual meaning above what it is that you value so much that's just temporary for here and now. And uh, we all know, you know, the, the decision that he made, but Peter makes the point afterwards. He says, Lord, we left our homes for you. And the way that Jesus responded, I hadn't really thought about it until this week, that he, he goes into specifics. He names specific things. He's like, well... Anyone that has lost these different things, families, homes, you've, you've left all these different parts of your life behind, you'll receive as much and even more so in the kingdom a hundredfold. So we know that uh, 
the Lord does get specific with his promises. You know, when he says, uh, I give you a new heart, take away your heart of stone, I give you a new heart. And then not only that, but he gives us the Holy Spirit. And what is it? I mean, it's the Father who anointed us in Christ. And it says, gave us the Holy Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. And we all know what that means. It's just, that's a way for you to know. It's like whatever it is that he says is in store for you, you can trust because you have the Holy Spirit as the, it's the down payment. It's the thing that you could point to and you can say, well, I know for a fact things are different now. It's not the complete promise received yet because we haven't, I mean, we're still uh, dealing with a world that is at war with God and, you know, the work of the cross is complete, but the plan of God has not come to full fruition yet, which is what we're looking forward to. But we're able to absolutely believe it and set our hope in it because we have the Holy Spirit that is in our hearts. Because the Lord, God the Father, has established us with Christ. And because we have a new heart, the Holy Spirit can then abide there. That's why the scripture says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is happy to abide with you. You can do things that will grieve it. But as it is in the heart that God has given us, it is happy to be in fellowship with us. You know, that's that's what we see, the fellowship of the Spirit. Uh, now jump over to chapter 2. Paul kind of, he, he talks about some of the difficulty that they had. And in verse 14, he says, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in his triumph in Christ, and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. So a couple things. Um, like Lizzie was praying, gratitude, it, we can't overstate it. We can't be grateful enough. Gratitude then opens you up to have joy. It reminds you of the promises of God. It reminds you of the things that he's done. So many times, I mean, we all know what it's like to be under duress, to be in a trial. And when you're in that, you, it's like you can't think of anything that God, any prayer God has ever answered. You can't think of any time that he's come through. It's like, it's like all that seems to be just kind of covered up. And all you're thinking is, is just this is a bad situation and it's only ever going to be bad and there's really no hope. But when you decide to choose thankfulness, to be grateful, to cultivate that, what it does is it opens up, it allows God then to bring remembrance. It's like uh, David will talk about that in the Psalms where he says, I'll call to mind the things. I will actually be intentional and get specific about it. And I've done that before. It's a, it's a habit uh, that I've, I've mentioned that I think is a really, really good one for everybody to do uh, from time to time is to sit down and actually write out some things, write out horrible situations and how God then answered it and how looking back at it now you have clarity and you can see like, well, it wasn't wasted, number one. And number two, the way that God intervened, the way that he sustained me through it and then intervened uh, is not something that I can ignore. 
so that the next time that the thing comes up, it's your, your mind is now educated. It's trained. It knows how it is. When James mentioned Job, he says, we've seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings with Job, for instance. If, if a situation that is that intense, which none of us are likely to ever have anything that's that rough happen in our lifetime, but if we, if we can look at that and, and what James is pointing out is that, look, the Lord was with Job. You see the outcome of the Lord's dealings. It was a far better thing for Job to go through that because of the result. So if that is then the case, uh, whenever you choose to be thankful, it allows God then to bring those things to mind and so that you are, you are prepared, you are forewarned and forearmed. Because the truth is, the statement Paul makes here, he says, God always leads us in the triumph. It may not be today. It may not be a year from now. It may not be five years from now. I don't know. Whatever, whatever it is that God is doing, the one thing that's unassailable in my mind is that he's always good. He, it's like what uh, 1 Corinthians uh, says, that love chooses the best. It chooses the best. And God is love. Every choice that he makes is always the best choice that can be made. It's oftentimes not the choice that we would make. But the idea is that when you have when you begin to establish trust with someone, uh, it then allows them uh, there 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 is there's capital enough for you to be long-suffering with them. Does that make sense? It's like if God has, has always only ever been good and every outcome of his dealings is only always for the good, then even though it may seem like it's not, it allows you to keep that at bay knowing that you have a history with God. You have a history with God, and that history has given you tools. As we'll see later, Paul talks about the weapons of our warfare. And he says, we, we, we are here in the flesh. We walk in the flesh, but we don't walk accordingly to the flesh. We don't war accordingly to the flesh because we have been given tools to be able to navigate through that stuff. We're not like... Uh, you know, when Paul says we're not just like at sea, just being tossed around, we have a sail, we have an anchor, we have navigation, we have the ability to set a course. And so, you know, the Lord has given us all these things. He's given us uh, a rich history with him and also with other people that we can look at. And we can see we have, we have an anchor that is our hope. The one that is secure, if we read through uh, Hebrews where he's talking about how like it's, it's actually one that is made firm so that we're able to come before God's presence to receive from him what it is that he wants to give. You can't do that if you're, if you're just constantly being tossed around. It's impossible to receive in that uh, state. But he says here that 
God always leads us in the triumph. And he says in verse 15, For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are, being, who are perishing. To one, an aroma from death to death. To the other, an aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? For we are not like many peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. You know, he goes on in uh, chapter 3 and he talks about how, you know, they don't, they don't need letters of commendation because their letter is the work that they had done with this group and uh, how they had poured themselves out. And they said, you know, look, you're, it's manifested in the, the growth that has taken place in you. And in verse, uh, let's see here, verse 4, chapter 3, verse 4, it says, Such confidence... We have through Christ toward God, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. And that's the thing that has to be squared away in our minds on a daily basis is that God is the one who has called us. He's the one who has uh, set us to serve in the capacity which he has. And every time that we're in that, situation there is also the grace that enables us to be able to do it you know he uh, how many times does god ask us to do things that are not possible how many times throughout the gospels did jesus instruct the disciples to do things that they couldn't do it's the normal but the thing about it is is that it, he doesn't it, it's not just how it is on the surface. He's also given us the ability. He's given us the tools. He's given us the ability. He's given us the Holy Spirit to be able to do impossible things. So yeah, of course we're not adequate in and of ourselves. We, we stopped looking at that when we realized that uh, who we were had to, be, had to die. Had to have a, a, a burial and resurrection. And so... Later on, you know, Paul, he makes the point. It's like, we don't uh, recognize anyone according to the flesh anymore. We knew Jesus in that way so that then we could then identify with him. And we understood, you know, as Hebrews points out, it's not like we have a high priest who doesn't know. We know he knows. We know that he is familiar with what it's like to be tired, to be sad, to be, you know, lonely to 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 be frustrated he know he knows what it's like to be under duress and he identifies with us in having walked that but now having been made new and been given the holy spirit in our new heart we we can we can make the distinction is what i'm trying to say <clears throat> so yes of course we're not adequate in of ourselves but uh our adequacy is from god verse six who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kill, kills, but the Spirit gives life. Notice, but if the ministry of death and letters engraved on stones came with glory, so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face, fading as it was, how shall the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. 
For indeed, what had glory in this case has no glory on account of the glory which surpasses it. For if that which fades away was with glory, much more that which remains is in glory. Hold your place there and turn over to Romans just quickly. Romans chapter 5. So, oftentimes the Lord will point to a physical reality that we understand and can relate to, and then he will, he will use that to help us understand a spiritual reality that is a greater reality. So, what we were reading there in 2 Corinthians where he's saying, look, if the stones that were written and you could hold in your hands and you could look at them and you could read them, they were tangible, if that had glory, how much more what God has written on our hearts, the ministry of the Spirit, the fact that we actually have not only just commands that are given to us from God, but that we have been gifted a new nature, that we actually have a different set of wants. We have a different set of motivations. And so here in Romans chapter 5, Paul is doing that with the gift that we've received. And he says here in verse 16, The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression, that's Adam, resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in justification. Just think about that word for a second. So what it means is that there, it's when the scripture talks about the return of Christ, it says to those without reference to sin. The, 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 what we are looking forward to is the renewal of everything that is good and a reunion with the fullness of God and without reference to sin. No, like, I know that you messed up a lot, but I'm going to forgive you. That's not what we're looking forward to. We're looking forward to actually coming home without reference to sin. Like, in his mind, it doesn't exist. Uh, one of the things that I really, really love is, uh, you know, if you're, if you're reading about, like, all the things that God has in store for us, uh, particularly kind of outlined in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I think, or the, maybe the end of chapter 2, uh, where he's saying, uh, or 1 Corinthians. Yeah, 1 Corinthians. Uh, he's saying all the things that God has basically to, to deliver to us. Uh, and one of the things that's omitted is the past, because the past has been bought. The past has already been paid for. And in his mind, uh, any time that we give, uh, we allow that to have influence over us, you're allowing something that doesn't exist anymore. In his reality, in God's reality, Jesus said it, you know, on the cross, it's finished. It is done. The, 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 the works of darkness have been destroyed. He's given us a chance to kind of have uh, a hand in kind of bringing it into its fullness. Uh, but we should never lose sight of the fact that it's not like, 
and I know th- this is a point that that we've talked a lot about, but it bears repeating. It's it's not that we are just pardoned. That's not just that we have been that that the Lord has, he's he's had mercy on us. Those things are true, but it, he goes a step further and he says it's actually it's justification that you've been set as belonging, not just as somebody who's you know he's had pity on. So it's resulted in justification, verse 17, for if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one. So it's, you know, the decision that Adam made spread to everyone. Much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So then as through one transgression, there resulted condemnation to all men. Even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. And then back over to 2 Corinthians. So he's saying, if it is in that way, how much more so the the ministry of the Spirit? Verse 11, for if that, chapter 3, verse 11, for if that which fades away was with glory, much more that which remains is in glory. Having therefore such a hope, We use great boldness in our speech and are not as Moses who used to put a veil over his face that the sons of Israel might not look away, might not look intently at the end of what was fading away. That's a very interesting statement. And I hadn't hadn't really given it a whole lot of thought until uh, this week. But Paul is, is joining those two things together when he says, if you understand that the that the ministry of death, which is what uh, the first covenant was, if that had glory, if that had weight to it, how much more so the thing that that was just a shadow of, only a shadow. We're talking about the substance, the actually receiving the actual substance to receive God's heart, not just some things that kind of point us in the right direction as the beginning of Romans says, where he's saying like, look, even people that didn't know God, they could look at creation and they could see his invisible attributes and the things that he made. You can look at the 10 commandments and you can kind of see, you can start to uh, paint a picture of what his character is like. You know, he's, he can't, he can't be around lies because he is truth. You know, all of those things point to the character that he has, but they're they're just, I mean, they're only scratching the surface, you understand? What we've been given is the actual, like, fellowship with the person that these things point to. And when Paul's explaining that, and he says in verse 12, he said, well, therefore, we have hope which is an interesting thing to say kind of in that context. But he says, we use great boldness in our speech. So that then is supposed to change your hope. Your hope then, you have such a hope knowing that, uh, you know, you, you have received the ministry of the Spirit and it changes the way that you talk. And he says that it's great boldness. And we're not as Moses, 
or we're trying to like be discreet about it. He says, no, boldness. We don't cover it up. We let it be what it is. Verse 14, their minds were hardened. Whose minds? The people that couldn't look at the, the presence of God on somebody. Their minds were hardened for until this very day at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it is removed in Christ. For us, there is no veil that is over us. Why is that? Because, like it says, whenever, verse 16, whenever a man turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And they can see. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. So it's one of those things that, uh, it's like I was talking about before, when you get in a trial, oftentimes, you know, you get so short-sighted. But the great thing about the leading of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will do this it will be that mirror which you can behold the glory of the Lord from glory to glory. And you can look back and you can say like, well, a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, I can see the growth. I can see my fellowship with the Lord is stronger. My understanding about his faithfulness is greater. And I know that I understand that I'm being transformed. So chapter 4 Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God. But by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. I thought a lot about that verse too. Um, because anytime the scripture says something like, therefore, or because of this, or, or any kind of um, injunction like that, you pay attention. And Paul is on the heels of talking about how we're actually <clears throat> witnessing the glory of God taking place in ourselves that we can, it's something that we can point to. It's not, um, it's not theoretical. You know, we're, we're not wondering like, man, what would it be like if, uh, if I had fellowship with the spirit? It's like we do and we know we do because we can, it's, it's measurable. Uh, you know, that that's why there's so much in uh, Paul's writings particularly, but, in the New Testament that is, it's, it's, it's intensely practical. When John says, like, don't say you love God and then hate your brother, that's nonsense. You're just making things up. Your love for God has to be demonstrated with how you treat people. If you're saying, it's like, I, I have all these, I have all knowledge and I have all these revelations, like, Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians, and he's saying, but if you don't have love, it's just like, it's like a, it, it does no one any good. God is not impressed with any of that. 
There's all these people that are going to come to the Lord, as Jesus said, and say, like, we did all these things, and they're good things. Casting out demons is a good thing. But if it's not motivated by love, it, there's not really a whole lot of point to it. So when we're looking and we're seeing, all right, I know that the, the man, the person that I am today is different because the influence the Holy Spirit has on me. Then I know I don't lose heart. I have that ministry. And that is what protects me from losing heart. The, re, the, the assurance that you have, that you have received the ministry of the Holy Spirit, which it, he, you know, the Holy Spirit prays for us when we don't know what to pray. It, it gives us what it is that we're supposed to speak. It doesn't mean, you understand, it, it's not like, uh, it's like a, like, a, like a magic trick or something like that. When I say like the Holy Spirit will 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 inspire you and teach you what to say, it will it will it will pray on your behalf. Oftentimes, it it is uh, it's the fellowship that you have developed enough so that you know you know what the Holy Spirit wants. You don't have to guess because you spend time on a daily basis on the regular in that communion. In that agreement, you know, we, we, that, that's part of why at the first section that I read where Paul is saying, it's like all these promises, what promises? Well, the ones we have, the ones that God has given us, the ones that we have to look forward to, the ones that we pray according to, you know, the, the, the oath and the promise that was given, uh, all of those things, those help to point us in the right direction. And as we're going in that right direction, what are we doing? We are co-laboring with the Lord and the fellowship of the Spirit is there so that we then become familiar with it. So we don't lose heart because we have that ministry, but we've renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, Commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You know, and that's that's how it happens is that, uh, you know, once it becomes... Uh, once it becomes occluded, Satan is very quick to give something uh, in its place. You know, then it becomes, you know, about things that you know or, or an understanding that you think you have or something like that. It becomes, it becomes a counterfeit, it becomes something that's, that's, that's easy to manufacture. And that's why Paul is saying, it's like, look, we make sure that uh, we <laughs> it, it is made clear to, to people's consciences that we are uh, made uh, manifest in the sight of God. Now jump down to verse 7. He says, but we have this treasure. 
the treasures, the the fellowship with the Spirit, the 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 transformation of glory to glory. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not from ourselves. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, that the life of Jesus also might be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore also we speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. You know, and that's one of the promises that we look at is, uh, we know that the Father raised Jesus. He's going to raise us as well, present us with him. Verse 16, again, therefore, we do not lose heart. <clears throat> you know, when, when Paul mentions something that specific a couple times, um, it's because he's making a point. And obviously the point is, it's very easy to lose heart. We all know what that's like. We all know the majority of the people that we interact with, the people that we have some kind of contact with in this world, for the most part, have lost heart. This, this generation especially is a very jaded and um, detached group of people. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's been a lot of undermining to make that take place where you have... Uh, you know, all the kind of, I guess, the uh, the supports to kind of keep people from going there have just been one by one just stripped away. You know, the breakdown of the family, the, the absolute destruction of like a real, like active church body. Most people don't have that because uh, the church has really just been under attack and has been, uh, the church in America anyway, has, 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 coward in a lot of ways to, to the pressure of society. Um, there's all of these absolute truths that have been attacked to be able to bring in that like, well, nothing really matters. There's not really a point to anything and that ushers in hopelessness and that makes people very easy to uh, enslave and to uh, abuse and to control. But Paul is, you know, he is because of the Holy Spirit's leading is helping us to fight back against that stuff to say like, look, you don't have to lose heart. We don't lose heart when we are in this place. When we're saying it's like, I'm not just somebody that's in this environment. I'm someone that's here that they can actually do something about it. So when I interact with people, they know it's like, well, you're not like the other people that I normally interact with. And the reason being is because you have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Because you have influence that is far greater above circumstance. Circumstance has an effect on you, yes. It has an effect on all of us. It even had an effect on Jesus. But it is not the only thing that's affecting us. It can be. 
you can allow it to be the only thing that's affecting you, but it, it, it's not intended to be that way because, uh, you know, Jesus made the point, you always ought to pray. You always ought to pray and not lose heart. Those two things are directly linked because it's impossible to keep from losing heart if you're not praying. You know, you, you're, you've, you've got to have that uh, communication as, uh, you know, just like second nature. It's got to be response for you so that you're not having to think about it all the time. Because a lot of times when you're under stress and you're under pressure, you don't have the, uh, you don't have the resources to spare to be able to think your way through it. You know what I mean? And, and a lot of times, like if it's, if it's a real, like if there's a lot of pressure involved, it's hard for you to be able to make sense. You know, our, our brains don't do real well under that unless we're already forewarned and forearmed and we have been prepared. And so that's what praying without ceasing will do so that when the things come up, uh, you're not caught off balance. <clears throat> so we don't lose heart. And Paul mentions here just like the, the natural state of things. He says, though our outer man is decaying, our inner man is being renewed day by day. If you don't feel like you're being renewed day by day, then you're missing it. You're identifying too much with the outer man, which we all do. You know, we, we all, we, we want to make sure that the outer man is taken care of and uh, is healthy and all that. But that's not our identity. Our identity is the inner man. That's who we really are. And that one is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And that is that, uh, that's the dynamic between uh, having fellowship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit and not, is that it changes then the the uh, focus on, you know, you, you're moving from just the temporary things to eternal things, things that actually really uh, stand the test of time. I'm not going to read all of it, but in, in chapter 5, you know, Paul is explaining how, you know, the, again, this is one of those promises that we have. It's like we have... A, a dwelling that God is going to establish and we're waiting for this, you know, natural life to be uh, finished so that we can receive. And he says that's, you know, it gives us, uh, it gives us a longing. Notice verse five of uh, chapter five, verse five. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Therefore, also we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to Him. You know, it, it's one of those things that... Um, you know, Paul says at one point, he's like, well, whether we live or die, uh, we're in your hearts 
to, you know, to have that uh, striving to labor with Jesus, whether it means our life or whether it means our death. Either one. What we've just decided is that we're going to try, our ambition is to be pleasing with the Lord, whatever it is, uh, whatever the situation he puts us in, whatever it looks like. Notice verse 12. Paul says, you know, he mentions all these things and he's just kind of reiterating. He's like, listen, we're not, we don't say this to like commend ourselves to you or to try, try to persuade you. He says, we're not, again, commending ourselves to you, but we're giving you an occasion to be proud of us that you may have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. And that scripture always meant a lot to me because I think uh, growing up, I'd always heard, you know, like pride is only ever evil. And that it's not true. Like jealousy uh, or arrogance, yes, but there is a good pride. And I mean, obviously, uh, Paul is saying here, well, we're actually we're trying to give you an occasion to be proud of us in a godly way. And he said, because you then will have an answer for people who take pride in appearance and the way things look they put on a good showing is what paul said at one point you know those who want to make a good showing in the flesh when he was dealing with the galatians and he's saying they're they really don't care anything about you they're they're just saying that so that it makes them look good they really don't care anything about you and to be honest they're taking advantage of you uh and that's when paul is saying look we 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 take pride in heart and it's not the heart that we developed. It's not the heart that we strove and, you know, molded and fashioned. It's the one that we have received that we then protect and nurture. The one that we have received from the Lord. It's his heart that he gave us. So it's, it's actually, it's, it's very insulting for us to treat it as if it's not good. To treat it as if it's a problem. Because it's not. So the, the heart that he has given us, we can take pride in. And he says here in verse 13, For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. You know, that. We all have been gifted the most noble calling and, you know, given something to live for that's far and above ourselves. And, uh, you know, that's the thing that uh, is missing in so many people's lives is there's, there's no transcendent purpose. You know, there's, there's just the let me pursue the things that I find amusing or, or, or uh, captivating for the moment. You know, I talked about, you know, like the, just being on that hedonic treadmill, just trying to find something that's fulfilling, you know, for the moment. And it's that cycle that people are in. And uh, I think uh, Eldridge talks a lot about, John Eldridge talks a lot about that in his uh, books about how people will miss it and they'll, they'll wonder why their lives are so hollow uh, 
and why nothing ever seems to fulfill them because they're, they're, it's almost like being hungry and all you're doing is just eating sugar cubes. You know, it's like, well, maybe the first few tasted good and you're always trying to get that, like, that sugar high back. But if it, you're not getting any nutrients. You're not getting anything to like actually sustain you. You're not getting anything to actually help your body repair itself or sustain itself or to have any type of like real meaningful power. And that's kind of the place that, you know, most people live. But here, like Paul is saying, we live like we've been given life, not just to just like, well, you don't have to die anymore. It's so much more than that. It's you have an actual purpose and a meaning and you live for one who is worthy of every effort that we have to give and the result the reward that we receive from it we we have been given the the blessing to actually know it i mean to actually know it's like the the things that are freely given to us by god and oftentimes uh it it takes uh you know just some quiet consideration not always just reading all the promises and things that God has in his word. That's really good, too. But, you know, personally, just taking a few moments just to consider what it is that you have to look forward to. You know, what, what is at the end of that finish line and what does it look like and the specifics of it. Uh, you know, all the, 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 the times that the Lord will say, I'm going to restore double seven times as much as the things that were taken away from you. So just, you know, sit down and think about that, you know, for a minute, because um, all the all the the joy that has been stolen, um, God is waiting to repay back and to repay back, you know, multiplied. I think that's partly why, you know, he says, like, I keep, all your tears in a bottle. I don't know what he's going to do with that, but I know that he's got something he's got something very meaningful for it. Otherwise, he wouldn't he wouldn't tell us. You know what I mean? Like the the fact that he's saying, you know, what's kind of built into that is that he knows every tear. So he's not like unaware of any tear you've ever cried. He knows every one because not only did he know, but he also kept it. He kept it, and uh, he's got a good intention for it. So, you know, that's those are the type of things that make it to where it's like it's very, it's, you're very motivated to live for him who died and rose again on our behalf. And then in verse 16, he says, Therefore, from now on, we recognize no man according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. You know, it is, it's the best thing to be rescued and then to be part of those that are going to rescue. It's, um, that's the best system that you can have. And that's the way that the Lord has done it, you know, where he has saved us. And then he has entrusted to us that word 
of salvation, of reconciliation, of you know, renewal and, and restoration. Jump over to chapter 10. Paul says here in verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they're divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. So think about this. You have weapons. We have been given weapons to help us war according to the Spirit for the destruction of fortresses. Verse 5, Paul gives a little bit of clarity on that. We are destroying speculations. And every lofty thing, every high thing that's raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. He does not say every bad thought. Every thought. Every thought gets taken captive and we consider and then we line it up, does it, is it in accordance with the obedience of Christ? So we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, and we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. Now, you can't do this unless you're armed, and you can't do it effectively unless you're well-trained with those weapons. Uh, turn over to Ephesians chapter 5 and we'll look a little bit about the weapons and armor that the Lord has given us to be able to do it here in chapter 6 Ephesians chapter 6 notice verse 10 Paul says finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might that's a command that we are enabled to be able to perform uh, the scripture says let the weak say I am strong and I think a lot of times that goes back to that where Paul was saying we have confidence and it changes our speech. We have great boldness. We're able to declare it. Uh, you know, it is a weak person that is saying, I am strong. He doesn't say, wait until you're strong and then mention it. You know the uh, concept that if you just smile, even if you feel terrible, your brain will think that you're happier than yes. you actually are? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely agree. And I, you know what it makes me think of? So we know that the joy of the Lord is our strength. The doorway to joy is thankfulness, is gratitude. And when, when you choose to be grateful, when you choose to be thankful, and you're, you're thanking God, and you're getting specific, you know, it's like, um, you know, thank you, thank you so much for the little ones that we have that are, you know, they're healthy, and they're doing well, and they bring us, you know, a lot of joy and happiness and all these things it's like so then you actually have the feeling like you can feel it you actually get the feeling you're like oh man yeah that does give me joy like that is a really really good thing and then when you when you go down the line and you start seeing it, it changes things it actually it changes your your mind 
and you get that like uh, you get the reality then it's it, it's like when the weak person says I'm strong in the moment that they're saying it they're still weak but being able to declare it uh, it changes things and uh, I like I had mentioned it I think it was last time I spoke about the the loaves and the fish you know when the disciples go out to give it it's not multiplied yet they're they're going out to do something that it's not there yet it's in the actual like performing that god then like blesses it and so and uh, Jesus he could have made a big pile just appear mm-hmm. you know what i mean or he could have just made their bellies full he could have done so many different things but what he's pointing at is just do what I said and you'll see. It's like uh, how he responded to, I don't remember if it was Mary or Martha, one, one of the sisters of Lazarus when they said like, well, if you open the tomb, like it's bad because you've been dead for four days. And he said, didn't I say, if you believe you'd see the glory of God, just do what I'm saying and, and say what I say and watch what I do. Right. You're supposed to keep seeing that you're weak. You're supposed to keep seeing, like you say in the Corinthians, the outer man is the same. Like it's yeah. getting worse. That doesn't get any better. It's that inner man. Yes. It's it's like a recognition of a greater reality. Yeah. Absolutely. So be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh. It's just what we read in Corinthians. He's like, we, it's our struggle is, is not in the flesh. We walk in the flesh. We don't war according to the flesh. We can't, we, we, we can't assess, we can't make our assessments just based upon that. Because if you do that, then you become... Uh, you, you, you just become a very ineffectual Christian. You know, you, you can carry the name of Jesus, but it doesn't really ever change anything. And, and we all know what it's like. We've, we've, we've been in that place where, you know, the, the power of God is not being utilized. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness, in heavenly places. So what do they do? They build strongholds. They raise up things from those strongholds against the knowledge of God. They 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 will take something like uh, maybe a lack of confidence in ourselves, and they will then turn that into years down the road into uh, you know like a, a severe crippling insecurity. And then that will then turn into bitterness. Like we've all seen what happens. Like if somebody shrinks back from the person that they are being called to be, then they become very ineffectual. And a lot of times what ends up happening is that person becomes very bitter. We've all known people like that who they didn't live up to their potential. I'm just saying just naturally. Like they had a lot of potential. They didn't live up to it and it's not good. That person years down the road is not somebody that you want to be involved with. Uh, 
because of what it does to your soul, what it does to a person, because they know. They just know deep down. It's like they didn't do what they should have done. And it, it, it betrays you. And it, and it just kind of opens up for all kinds of horrible things to happen. And so uh, that's what Satan's aiming at. He's trying to raise things up against the knowledge of God, of what we know to be true. And what we have been tasked with is tearing those things down to struggle against them. And we don't do it unarmed. We've been armed. We've been given the tools necessary to be able to do it. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. So the thinking is, and we all understand this naturally, you can't wait until the time to be able to get prepared. It's too late then. You have to be preparing on the regular so that when it does come, because you don't know when. You don't know when the evil day. That's when he says, like, so that you can be able to resist in the evil day. Who knows when that evil day is going to be? Who knows uh, how you're going to be tested a week from now, nine weeks from now, a month, two years from now? You have no idea. So if you know, you're, you're making that uh, habit to have fellowship in the Spirit, and to let Him renew you and to be renewed in your mind and to take in the promises of God to be able to combat uh, you know, all the lies, especially for us, we have to be extra intentional about it because with the technology that we have, there is, you know, I don't know how much more of an assault we're under from lies as people in previous generations were, but I do know it's much higher. I know that we are confronted with, I mean, even if you take deception out of it, just confronted with the evil that goes on in the world, we are more aware of more evil than any generation has. And you think about some of the, the things that people in past generations have gone through, uh, and some of the, you know, the, the atrocities and things that have taken place, it's like we're kind of aware in a, like a, like a, a visceral sense of like a hundredfold of what most people had ever an inkling of. And it's coming to us on, on the regular. Um, not to mention large uh, companies and, and uh, groups that they're, ambition and their goal is to lie to you as often as they can and so we have got to really like draw the line in the sand and make sure we're taking in enough of what we know to be true uh enough of the promises of god enough of like what we're actually fighting for so that our motivation is clear so that like what paul was talking about so you don't lose heart it's very easy to lose heart in that environment so we do everything to stand firm in that evil day. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So truth, righteousness, and peace. So uh, we understand that uh, these are things that God has given to us that we then maintain. You know, it's if, if you're a soldier in the army, you don't pay for your weapons and your armor. Those who are your superiors afford those to you. They then tell you and train you on how to use them and how to maintain them, and then it is your responsibility. They're not coming back around to make sure when it's time to deploy that you have been doing your job. 
they trained you, they gave you that responsibility. That is your, that is, that's your devotion that you have to put forward. So truth, righteousness, peace, in addition to all taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish the flaming missiles of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, you know, the sword is, it's able to cut through all those things. That is, you know, these are the things in which we're able to use to tear down uh, these fortresses and these, you know, the means by which Satan can raise up those lofty things that are contrary to what we know to be the truth about God. And he says here, verse 18, with all prayer and petition... Pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. You know, so it's just, I know that that's a lot to, to cover, uh, but it was just, when I was going through that this week and today, uh, I was thinking about how uh, the Lord has afforded us all these things. He's given us all the tools necessary to be able to live uh, as those that are alive from the dead, as those that are, uh, you know, taking back what's been stolen. You know, I, I think in terms like that, you know, where Jesus was like, look, Satan's kingdom is being cast out. This said that before he was even crucified. How much more so now? He's been crucified. He's been resurrected. And we have been resurrected with him. We've been justified. We now have the Holy Spirit, new hearts. And we are able to walk according to the Spirit with divinely powerful weapons. We don't have to just let those things be. You know, for, for, for so many things, you know, it's like especially uh, lies that we believe about ourselves. It's easier to just not address them. But... Uh, you know, that God has called us to be able to address them and to be able to tear them down. And, you know, we, we're, we're able to do that because he's afforded us what is necessary, but he's also given us what then is the reality. And the reality is, is that, you know, we are, we're, we've been made new, that we don't recognize each other or ourselves in the flesh, you know, if you're if you're able to do it for your brethren, you should be able to do it for yourself, and you do it because uh, it's what is right. But um, that's that's really kind of all I wanted to cover for today. Um, if anybody's got anything they want to add or any comments. Well, it's all there, so. Yeah. <laughs> Something you just said that I'm reminded of, and I thought, man, that sounds, that sounds true, that the human soul is not meant to live in these large communities. They're meant for little tribal communities, and dealing with the world's problems on a day-to-day -day basis is yeah, very it's, unhealthy. It's too much because China, what... Russia, we yeah. know what's going on with all this. It's like, give me a break. Yeah. You can't handle that. No. So. And it just is, what it does is it just makes you just like kind of throw your hands up. Exactly. Instead of like looking at like, well, okay, 
in this moment right here, what good can I do? Yeah. I can do this thing good. I can help this person. I can, you know, I can change this about my life today. It's like I can't get myself financially responsible and completely physically in shape and all these other things. I can't do that today, but I could I could make my bed today or I could, you know, I could take care of maintenance on the car today or something. You know, it's just like like we talked about so many times, like the best is the enemy of the good. A lot of times the best will get you tripped up and thinking, you know, it's like I don't have time to pray for an hour, so I'm not going to pray at all. It's like pray for five minutes. Pray for three minutes. Pray for 60 seconds. Do something. Just get it started. Okay, and then you just end up checking out yourself, and you yeah. get taken out. Yeah, you see that a see lot. That yeah, yeah, you see that a lot yeah. in today's society. Yeah. Well, the other thing I, I noticed was that, man, I, I can't believe I bought into this for five years now, six years. To, I just still am so amazed. I brought it up a lot, but the good heart type teaching. It's like you talk about taking. Paul uh, incorrectly in Romans 7 saying, wretched man that I am. It's like, this is not, this doesn't please God to say like, I'm a wretched piece of, you yeah. know, like this is, this is not the way that we look at, or like you said, like we don't look at ourselves like that anymore. Because he, you know, in the next chapter he says, well, it's, Jesus has set me free. Right. I'm not that. And that's when he, later on, he says, well, it's not me. Sin. Yeah. It's kind of a matter of what you focus on. Right, because it's like it says, don't regard one another according to the flesh. It doesn't mean we don't see what happens in the flesh. It's just not where you put the outcome and the focus. Like, yeah, yeah. Is it Abraham? How it says that he looked at his fleshly body that he was passed out bearing years. Yeah, he considered. But he considered it. Yeah. It's, but then he also considered like, he who had promised. It's like one of those things where, like, we're kind of walking down the middle where you put your focus on the right thing, but it's not that heaven the clouds don't <laughs> yeah. don't have any any issues anymore. It's like you consider, like, I'm carrying around this body of death, and it's just bothering my steps. Like, it's difficult, and I don't like the things that it does, but what I agree with, what I'm putting, going to put my attention on is the, the, the new heart that Jesus gave me, like, that his life is living in me. You know, it's... You consider both things. Yes. And then, well, it's like he was saying in 2 Corinthians. It's like we look at this tent that we're in, and it's straining, and we're groaning, and we don't want to be unclothed. We don't like that it's decaying. It feels bad. But we don't lose heart yeah. because we look to the fact that well, as soon as we're absent from this body, then we're at home with the Lord. And he's gone away and prepared a good home that is so much, like you said, like it's a hundredfold better than everything that we yes. lose here. Like it is the real reality that we have to put more of our focus and attention on yes. in order to not lose heart. Right now, or I feel joyful right now, or I feel 
feel stressed or I feel sad right now because the way to healing is acknowledging those things and working through them and not shutting down like what y'all are talking about. Like we feel completely overwhelmed. Yeah, because Jesus didn't do that. You know, like it says he offered up prayers with loud crying and tears. And it says he was heard. You know, like that's Jesus. Like he's, no one has been more prepared than him. And he was the most compassionate man that ever walked this earth. But he, even in all of that difficulty, he still, like he allowed himself to feel it. And he allowed himself, you know, to express it. You know, it's like when he sees Lazarus and he knows, you know, like he's going to have to deal with death. He's going to have to overcome it. Like he, he weeps. He weeps with them. Like That's painful. I think the natural response is to avoid It's that. a whole lot easier to, to numb yourself to it. Right. To just like Sandy was saying, to just check out. You know, it's like we get overloaded when, they're, when, when we're not allowing, you know, the Holy Spirit to focus us. You know, you just, you get overwhelmed. It's well, just too much. We want to do. It's like you were saying a week or two ago. It's like, then we want to, we want to numb it. Yes. Like when you get overwhelmed and you want to check out. Then and all that does is just make you weaker. Yeah. And, you know, like they, they, instead of actively being a part of the solution, you know, you know, you're just wanting to check out and, you know, it's it's. That book says a man's or a woman's addictions are um, the cause of your refusal of your strength. Yeah. You're refusing to be strong. Well, yourself. what it? I'm gonna do that over there. I know I shouldn't. Every time I do something like that, I know like this is not good. Yeah. I'm gonna do it anyway. Right. Like, right. Yeah, you yeah, know it's not. It's not helping you. Yeah. This is not gonna be good. So I'm gonna watch Seinfeld for an hour. I'm gonna have a beer. Yeah. Was it edifying? I had a good time, but was it spiritually? Fit? And not that that's wrong, because it's right, not. Right. But, but you know, <laughs> you know, like when you need to do something else. Yeah. Like you know, it's like I really need to spend some time. I really need to be restored. Yeah. Uh, rather than just release. trying to get some relief for a moment, you know, yeah. which is relief is good. God made relief, but uh, it kind of it, it kind of reminds me of what. Uh, Paul was warning that, you know, that the war that we have against evil, what it's trying to do is, is that it's trying to build a stronghold to keep people captive, to make them to where they are, you know, they're just kind of like a, a shadow of what they're meant to be. You know, they're just going through the motions. There's so many people in life, they're just going through the motions. They don't have like, they don't have real purpose for, you know, what they're doing or, or about yeah, yeah. And, and the reason being, it's, it's not surprising. It's like, I get it. You know, it's, it's hard. Like Satan has done an incredible job, especially for our generation of making it to where it's just people are just, I mean, seriously depressed. But, um, the great thing is, is that for us, who was it that said, I don't remember where I read it once. Or it was like, don't ever underestimate how powerful you are. Never make that mistake because joy is always within your reach. And the Bible clearly says the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
it is incredibly powerful and we are capable of we're capable of doing anything that God needs us to do it just is whether or not we're going to agree with him on it you know it's like when Jesus tells the disciples you feed them he didn't have to do anything you know they they weren't <laughs> they were not ready for that responsibility at the moment so you know he said all right well I'll give you some things to do get the bread get the fish have them sit down break them up into groups you guys split up give thanks go give it out but you know they they had everything that they needed to be able to do the impossible that church can connect me for the joy of the lord and your strength because like you were saying pay attention to being thankful that opens the door to joy because if you look up the word joy like i've been thinking about this a lot over the past couple of years that you don't always feel happy or bouncing around that's what it seems like joy means yeah yeah Yes. That's where it gets done. Like the disciples yes. didn't pick it up and cook up new bread. They just followed Jesus' commands. They broke the bread. Jesus' power carried it out and fed the hungry people. Yeah. Like defining the terms correctly kind of unlocks some some stuff that doesn't make sense otherwise. Yes. You know? Yes. Because, because like if you're feeling weak and just distraught and overwhelmed and like I'm checking out, like what do you mean the joy of the Lord is my strength? I'm not happy. I'm not bouncing. Exactly. Because. Like present culture has taught us all kinds of things because, you know, you grow up and in your culture, there's like, there's all these things that you just take for granted. And one of them for us in America is joy is kind of viewed as happiness. Everything should make me feel good and happy, right? Exactly. Like that's the way and my world is ordered, right? Happiness is a great feeling, but it is, it's not joy. It, it can't accompany joy. Um but yeah, you're right. Joy is a much, much deeper thing, and uh, you know the the thankfulness being tied to joy, which then is uh, cultivating your hope and protecting your hope. Like those those three things, kind of like uh, converging together. That's why you know the 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 disciplines of of uh, you know, taking the time to be specific and thankful about things. It's like it starts you down that path. I heard uh, Brian Johnson was given a testimony. He was talking about how, like, if he's feeling off, like maybe he doesn't even, he's not even in the right headspace to, like, really pray effectively. He'll just, like, start playing some worship music because just being around that and hearing it will start to, like, affect him. And he's like, and then he starts to remember, he's like, okay. God is for me, you know, he's good, he's only always ever good, and then it starts to, like, start, you know, opening up other things, and I think um, Satan does a lot of, of, of work to make us have that mindset of, like, if it's not starting with a bang, and if it's not this big, you know, I'm gonna, you know, it's like somebody's getting in shape, I'm gonna get up at five o'clock in the morning, I'm gonna go run five miles, and uh, I'm going to have uh, rice and chicken every day for, you know, six months. It's like 
it's not it's just making the small decisions and keeping that discipline and then building upon it you know like that's the thing that um you know god can really really just he's the one who causes the growth you know he's just looking for someone to agree with him Okay, are you guys ready to eat? Yeah. All right. Let's see here. Uh, Biggs, will you close us in prayer, please?